this place is absolutely massive from escape rooms to whatever that is up there with the ceiling that goes about 200 feet in the air. All of it looks really, really fun. We'll test out as much as we can over the afternoon, and we are going to spend some time talking some hockey today. We're going to talk London Knights hockey, OHL hockey, we promise. But we're not going to stop there. We'll talk some women's hockey, some Australian hockey, some Nigerian hockey. We're going to be talking with Roman Endure in about an hour from now. He is, and the Hockey News has just put this out, and it's great that they've gone around the world and looked at the leading scorers in NHL history from every single country that an NHL player has come from. And Roman Endure is the leading scorer of all Nigerian-born players. So we'll talk about him. We'll talk about the fact that he didn't spend a lot of time in his life in Nigeria, about a year and a half. And then we'll go into things like playing with Wayne Gretzky. He remembers sitting with his dad, having his dad wake him up and watching the Edmonton Oilers win Stanley Cups in the 1980s. And then in the 1990s, he's sitting in a dressing room, putting on shin pads, tying up skates, putting on his helmet. And there's Wayne Gretzky basically sitting beside him. So those stories coming up. We'll also talk with some London Knights. Cole Timken's hand, you wouldn't believe how quickly he can sign an autograph. He's putting another one down right now, and we've got a big, long line. The other thing we are going to do is we will be in conversation with April Clark, OUA Player of the Year in women's hockey. We're also going to hear from a couple of guys who are part of a touring team, and they have come from Australia and New Zealand, and they were at the Knights game on Friday night. And they are playing in three or four tournaments while they're here. But we'll talk about the growth of hockey in Australia. These guys have been playing for about three years. And you'll hear from that on the show. We are also going to give away our big, big prize because this is the official kickoff of Juno Week. And we want to thank everybody who has been entering for our ultimate Juno contest simply by putting down all of the top stories that we have had at 8 in the morning, at noon, and at 5 on 980CFBL, emailing them to us. We have our winner announcement coming up in probably about five minutes. So that's something to be listening for if you have sent in any kind of contest, contest entry. So lots of things on the way on London Live today as we are live from the factory. We'll take a walk around. In fact, you know what we should do? We should take a little walk around right now because we've got a big autograph line here. But to allow you to know exactly what is going on, this place is huge. You've got the adventure section, and the adventure section has these big, big, I guess, wheels and some of the wooden apparatus that you can climb up all the way to the top. And I'm telling you, this has to be about 200 feet in the air. If you've ever been out in the forest and you've done zip lines and things, that's exactly what this is kind of like. So, and look, there's former London Knight and former Western Mustang, Aaron Maggie, just walked by. You never know who you're going to find. A table of Alec Regula and Nathan Dunkley. And then, if we head a little further in, and you can't even see the end of this, but they have mystery escape rooms. If you have people who are, say, under the age of five years old, there's a smaller section. 
You don't go 200 feet in the air. In fact, I don't think you can get in the air in there. But two, three, four years old, you've got all kinds of things to climb on. You've got some arcade games. You've got that game where you shoot the basketballs through the hoop and see if you can make it to the next round. Some of these arcade games, they've got a Space Invaders game that is floor to ceiling. It's massive. So if you could play Space Invaders back in the 1980s and you could play it well, why not try it now in 2019? And then great big canteen section. So this is an absolutely incredible place. And today the London Knights are here kicking off March break and signing all kinds of autographs for everybody who is here. The Knights have three games left in their regular season, and then they will be starting playoffs in a little over a week and a half. So right now, they are seated at table. It isn't too late. You can get yourself down to the factory. Scorzy is here, and you can check out everything that the Knights are doing and talk a little playoff hockey with them. So we'll take our first break on London Live. Up next, we will announce the winner of our ultimate Juno prize pack. And we'll tell you what it is that they have won. Juno's kicking off. They will happen in one week from yesterday, so on Sunday. But it is Juno's week, and it really is. You're going to see all kinds of things taking place all over the city. Keep your eye out. I mean, I turned a corner at work this morning, and there's Ian Thornley, formerly of Big Wreck, and he is all of a sudden walking the hall. So you never know who you're going to run into. He could be at lunch. Right now, we're at the factory at 100 Kellogg Lane, and you can come by and see us. London Live, on location this afternoon. You're listening to Global News Radio, 980 CFBL. Coming up, we will talk some night hockey in about 20 minutes. Talk with a former member of the 2004-2005 team of the century relive some memories and talk a little bit about this year's team as well but we're focusing in on some other parts of hockey today australian hockey nigerian hockey we'll talk some women's hockey and in just about four minutes we'll speak with sophia caldwell and she's the manager at middlesex center ymca there is something called volt hockey and i don't know if you've heard volt hockey before not too many of us have Volt hockey is something that has been created in Europe and is now being brought over to North America, and it helps individuals who have lower mobility difficulties. So if you suffer from muscular dystrophy, if you suffer from cerebral palsy or spina bifida, it can be difficult to be involved in hockey. Well, not anymore, because this is a sport that has a specialized chair And those chairs are designed to assist anyone who happens to have any of those afflictions or anything else that may help them to play the sport in that particular specialized chair, puts them head-to-head. And it's pretty amazing to see it. Right now, we're going to be talking about it. So we'll do our best to describe exactly what it is. Even before that, though, as promised, we have our winner of our ultimate Juno's prize pack to select. And that winner happens to be ready to take home tickets to the sold-out Juno Cup, which will take place March 15th at Western Fair District, the Juno Cup Jam, the Juno Fan Fair on March the 16th. That's taking place at Masonville Place. 
and that'll allow you to grab a quick selfie with people like Brett Kissel and Loud Luxury, who will be performing. Johnny Orlando will be there. Megan Patrick, the Recklaws, Scott Hellman, Tyler Shaw, Killy. Is that enough? There could be more. And you also get tickets to the Juno Songwriters Circle, hosted by Alan Doyle, formerly of Great Big C, at Centennial Hall, March 17th. And also on March 17th, not only is it St. Patrick's Day, it is the 48th annual Juno Awards. You win two tickets to go and see the Juno Awards at Budweiser Gardens. So, all of that is going to be given away right now as we announce one name. If you have entered by email, thank you for doing that. And now I am being given the secret envelope. This is like being at the Juno. Look at this. We've got a secret envelope. And I'm, I open the envelope. I'm opening the envelope. I'm opening the envelope. I'm reaching inside. I wonder if this is on official Juno's paper. I think it might be. Inside, there is a name. Congratulations. Winner of our ultimate Juno's prize package, Kelly McGee. Kelly, congratulations. You have won all of that, and you are going to have an absolute blast during Juno's week, which is just underway. We are at the factory. We're with the London Knights. We've got people getting autographs still right now. Liam Foody, Evan Bouchard, Alex Formanson all sitting at the very first table. We've got a house of green T-shirts and nice hats, nice jerseys. They've got booklets for everybody to sign. So you have until 3 o'clock to make it down to the factory, and you can get yourself a whole bunch of autographs to get the entire team to sign. Right now, though, we're going to talk about another kind of hockey, the kind of hockey that you may not know anything about. Australian hockey? No. No, that's later in the show. Right now, we are going to be talking about Bolt hockey, which is something that has been brought to North America, and is going to be available. It's basically available now, but they're, they're still just kind of setting it up. It's going to be available in Kamoka at the Middlesex Center YMCA. And we had an opportunity to talk with the manager of the Middlesex Center YMCA, Sophia Caldwell, not long ago. And we'll take you back to that conversation right now, asking Sophia how she's doing today. I'm very well, thank you. You are going to be able to tell us what Volt Hockey is and how the YMCA in Middlesex Center, so basically in Kamoka, is helping this out. Why don't we just begin, because let's ask around, does anybody know Volt Hockey? Any, can you? Has anyone ever played it? I'm getting a lot of head shakes here. Sophia, what is Volt Hockey? So... Volt hockey is, it's an accessible form of hockey that's played in a specially designed um, chair for people with severe physical disabilities. And what's really unique about this um, sport in particular is that it's so accessible because it's um, played in a motorized chair that's operated by a joystick. So it's accessible to players who have limited upper body strength because all they're required to do is be able to operate that joystick to play. That's fantastic. Okay, so if we picture this, we picture a specialized wheelchair. Does it have a a hockey stick type thing on the front? Yeah, great question. Yep. Yeah. So it's a wooden chair on a metal frame, and it's it runs on two electric motors that use um, rechargeable batteries. And so there's the joystick on the armrest, and then at the front there's the blade um, uh, where they would use to maneuver the ball around the court. Okay. 
Outstanding. Okay. So, and this is something that you found out about how? So this sport um, originates from Denmark, and it came to Canada years ago um, through Variety Village, um, which is a recreation facility and charity out of Toronto. So they've grown up to two um, teams in that area, and they approached us about running the third. And um, so Variety Village Charity and the BMO Bank of Montreal um, put enough funding together for us to have eight of these chairs made and shipped all the way from Denmark here to Kamoka. Okay, so now that sounds like you've got the ability to have an entire game. You've got it. Yep. So we so we have eight chairs. Currently, we've got seven of eight spots filled. We'd love to get one more, um, but right now we have enough to play a game, and um, we have certainly enough interest to um, grow the league. So the the hope is that we won't just have one team here in Kamoka. We'll inevitably have um, multiple teams, and then we'll get kind of a league style um, going where we would go to GTA and play tournaments and vice versa. Sophia Caldwell joining us, center manager at the Middlesex Center YMCA in Kamoka. We're talking about Volt Hockey, which allows hockey to be played using wooden frames on metal wheelchairs. You operate those chairs using a joystick, and as Sophia says, they've got seven of eight chairs filled. Typically, who winds up playing Volt Hockey? So Volt Hockey is it's open to um, kids age six years and up. So we have a total mix of ages right now signed up between six to thirteen, but we are open to um, it, it's it's play it's meant for anyone six years and up really. So adults, youth, kids, and um, it's for anyone that has the physical um, disabilities, including um, limited upper and lower mobility. Um, so it's it's definitely um, a very unique sport for participants who otherwise might not have access to recreational um, sports. What is it like to watch a game being played? It's incredible. It's very, um, it's very, very fast paced. I mean, these chairs, they turn 360 degrees, um, on a dime and they can reach up to 13 kilometers an hour. And so we've had, um, professional volt hockey players down all weekend helping us launch the sport. And it's amazing the skill, um, that is required for this, for this sport and, um, how, yeah, how they're able to maneuver these chairs and, and the ball. So you've got a, a stick kind of on the front of the chair mm-hmm. other than that do you use goalies or goalies not allowed what are the kind of the rule differences so it is um, typically played three on three with two referees and um, there are two nets actually at either end of the court so there is a goalie in in place okay and that goalie would be in a chair as well the goalie would be in a chair. Yep. I'd say the one main difference between this and, and the hockey is that it is non-physical. So um, it is a non-contact sport. So if we think about wheelchair rugby or wheelchair basketball, they can wind up being incredibly physical sports. This one, not right. as physical. Not a physical sport. And um, so definitely focus on skill and camaraderie and, and sportsmanship. And um, being that, too, these, these chairs cost up to $10,000 a piece. So they are meant to be um, really well-maintained. Sure. Well, Sophia, if someone is interested in filling that eighth chair and maybe taking part in a game against the GTA at some point, how do they contact you? 
so they can call the Middlesex YMCA, and we can answer any questions that we that they may have. And I did want to make note that the YMCA is a charity. So if, if financial um, uh, barriers are a thing to any family, then we will work with them to overcome that and provide subsidies so that their kids have access to this program. That's fantastic. I hope that you get a, a full-blown league going sometime soon. Thanks for the time. Thanks so much for having me on the show. That is the manager of Middlesex Center YMCA in Kamoka, Sophia Caldwell. So a little bit more on Volt Hockey, which is kind of brand new to North America, created in Europe. More autographs are being signed. You guys having fun in the factory? Yeah! All right, Scorzy is here. A little cheer from Scorzy. Are you having that much fun or way more fun than that? Way more fun! Way more fun at the factory. It's March break. You guys aren't in school today. You're, that's that's okay, right? You're you're not supposed to be in school. No. Okay. They they're in the right place. The London Knights are at the factory until three o'clock this afternoon, and they are signing all kinds of autographs. You have an opportunity to play around at absolutely everything. It's amazing to see what you can jump, climb, jump over, fall from safely, fall from on purpose. Here at the factory. We'll talk more about that in our next half hour. Jacqueline LaBelle has news coming up next. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Live from the factory today on London Live, we apologize and I want to thank a couple of people for just a, a couple of technical difficulties off the start of the show. Thank you to Andrew, who is flying things back at our 980 CFPL studios. Thanks to Will and thanks to Steve for getting everything going. The London Knights have been signing all kinds of autographs, taking pictures. Right now we've got Liam Foodie and Cole Timken posing for a picture, looking all set for a final week of the regular season in the Ontario Hockey League, signing autographs. I think Cole Timken has almost worn out that Sharpie. How long does it take you to perfect your autograph, Cole? When would you say, because... You've been in the league a couple years now. When were you finally comfortable with, yeah, that's that's the one right there? Um, I mean, my first year, I kind of just freewheeled it and put number one five like at the end of it. But, uh, I mean, the past two years, uh, I, I've been getting used to like my, my same old signature. It's pretty quick, but uh, you can see the C and the T stands for Cole Timken and then got my one five there. So I got I got to figure it out now. You get asked to sign a lot of things. You just signed a Denver Broncos hat that looks like it came from about 1962. <laughs> Yeah, we, we get uh, some interesting stuff to sign, but uh, we're more than happy to sign whatever the fans want us to. Anything that you've signed that you've thought, way, wow, I, I can't believe can't believe I actually had to write my name down on that? Yeah, I mean, a couple a couple kids want their foreheads signed or something, but it's kind of against the rules. We're not allowed to do that. But, yeah, there's there's some there's some stuff that, that we can't sign. All right, well, we'll... We'll uh, we'll let everybody's imagination work on what that might be. We'll let you get back to signing. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Stubbs. Cole Timken signing away with Liam Foodie. More pictures being taken, and yeah, that's that's a Denver Broncos hat that you can't buy in stores anymore. We're going to talk more hockey in just a minute. Actually, we'll talk with a couple more London Knights. Joseph Raymakers and Josh Nelson will be by. And then after our next news in about 25 minutes. We're going to talk to the highest scoring National Hockey Leaguer ever from Nigeria. 
Yes, we do have a Nigerian-born NHL alumnus. And in fact, he lives in southwestern Ontario. You probably know him. Australian hockey as well. Some women's hockey. April Clark, OUA Player of the Year in women's hockey, is going to join us on the show. So, lots still ahead. Let's take a quick break. We are at the factory right now, and you still have an opportunity to get down here and bring your forehead. Back at the factory, Nigerian hockey and Australian hockey coming up. We'll talk some London Knights hockey right now as the Knights continue to sign autographs here. Uh, you guys are missing out if you do not get yourself down to the factory by 3 o'clock this afternoon. Come see Scorsi. And Joe decide when to begin the playoff bidder, or is it even an if? Do Joe thinks the team whether you're going to grow playoff? Uh, some tune for that. Now wait, does that scare you at all? Because normally when a team goes into this, there are very few options for the hair. There's none. You could shave it all off. You could go mohawk. You could you could do the bleach which also sounds a little dangerous. What have you been through in your life? Uh, luckily, I haven't been through anything. Uh, my minor midget year, I think we dyed our hair red, and my hair was already red, so uh, it worked out. Now, wait, did you still have to dye your hair, or could you get by without it? No, I got by without it. I just told the guys I have red hair, so I don't need it. That's amazing. Okay, Josh, what have you had to do to your hair in your hockey career? Uh, well, I remember my first year, I had to do little Patty Kane sideburns there. Uh, my first year, then... Last year, I don't know if we did any, but this year, I think uh, Formo's going to cut my hair maybe gave me a nice mullet for this uh, playoff. Ooh, a little playoff mullet. Okay, all right. Patrick Kane, I think, has had playoff mullets in his career. Now, you're a guy who comes from the Chicago area. How big a Blackhawks fan were you growing up? Yeah, I was uh, pretty lucky growing up uh, with Taves and Kane infiltrating Chicago there when I was young, so I think uh, they had a pretty big impact on me when I was growing up. What was that city like when they started winning? It was electric. I mean, everywhere you went, downtown or even the suburbs, like the Blackhawks were everywhere. The logo was everywhere. It was uh, really a great time to be in Chicago. We're talking with Josh Nelson and Joseph Raymakers at the factory. Joe, you were honored on Saturday night. Graduating player. Can you believe graduating? How fast does this go? Uh, it goes by really quick. It's, it's been a fast five years, but um, just got to thank everyone uh, that's been a part of uh, my career so far. But no, it just hasn't really set in yet, and hopefully we make it all the way to May. Let's rewind a little bit, and let's go back to your very first win. Happened in London, and you're from Chatham, so no doubt lots of friends and family coming in. You're 16 years old. Do you remember that game? Yeah, I remember it. Uh, yeah, I remember like it was yesterday. It was, it was a pretty special game, and um, I mean, the guys helped me out a lot. It was just a fun game in general. Was that not a shutout? Yeah, it was. It was. Look at this. The, you should you should see the smile on his face talking about that. A shutout. Then coming to play for London. What was that like? Uh, it was surreal. Um, London feels like home for me, but 
playing in front of 9,000 fans, the best fans in the CHL, and I mean, we're very lucky to, to have the great fans that we have. You've seen and you've been a part of goaltending performances the last couple of days in London where it's it's been about the goalies. On Friday night, Emmanuel Vela gets hugs from players on the London Knights. That's a rare thing. Does that just show how close hockey guys truly are? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you always recognize guys that have good performances. And, I mean, he was unbelievable that night. And, um, I mean, come playoffs, every goal is going to be playing well. So we're just going to try to get through the dump. Joseph Raymakers, Josh Nelson with us. Josh, how about you growing up? Being from the Chicago area, when did you learn first about the un- and the Bears. I imagine the OHL is down just a little bit in terms of news in Chicago. Yeah, it's funny. I think uh, for my parents, school was always a pretty important thing. So they would always speak about college, like how they went to college and everything like that. And uh, back home, we have like the NHL network. And the only time you ever see the OHL is on like Saturday showcases or like even just when the Memorial Cup's on. So I think when I was like 14, 15, I started to hear about the OHL a lot more. And then, uh, you know, once I turned 17 and I came here, that's when I really knew. When and how did that come together for you coming to the London Knights? It was funny. I uh, I just finished my uh, midget minor year and uh, I got invited to rookie camp up here in London and uh, played pretty good. And uh, that summer we uh, had talks with uh, London and then it all finally worked out and I'm here. Been here ever since. Now you're almost like a full-fledged Londoner. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> well, guys, congratulations on the year both of of you have had so far best of a while we'll look back in time a little bit we'll look ahead at what is next for these guys with it being juno's week they are off and running the knights are going to be in guelph on wednesday they will be in sault st marie on friday night and they will be in saginaw on saturday to close out the season so no knights hockey this week but there are hockey games in fact the juno cup is going to be played, and that's actually a big old hockey game, March 15th at Western Fair District Sports Center. So you can get out and see just how Canadian artists do on the ice against some former NHLers. It should be just a a blast. And again, just part of what will be a nice long week where you should be on the sidewalks or you should be at restaurants whenever you have an opportunity because you never know who you are going to run into. We'll find out in a moment who we are going to run into. In about 25 minutes from now, we'll hear from Ruman and Doerr and we'll talk about playing with Wayne Gretzky. Playing with Wayne after watching him win Stanley Cups on TV, sitting in the same dressing room as Wayne Gretzky, and being a Nigerian-born NHLer. And the hockey news has come out with a list of its top scorers from all kinds of countries all around the world, and Ruman Endor is number one among Nigerian-born players. So we'll talk about that, too. This is London Live. We are at the factory this afternoon. If you've never been here, well, you can't just come and see it all in about two or three minutes. Uh, Reserve some time because this is a great big place. Put on the green socks and race yourself around because there are all kinds of things to bounce on. If, If the kids seem like they have too much energy already for March break, I'm thinking 
two or three hours at the factory, and they'll be pretty quiet. A lot of napping through the rest of March break. So you have that opportunity to come and see the London Knights until 3 o'clock right now at the factory at 100 Kellogg Road in London. This is London Live. You're listening to Global News Radio 980 CFPL. And we are live at the factory, 100 Kellogg Lane in London. More autographs. Cole Timken, I think, has officially worn out that first he has signed so far. Our Knights assistant coach and former Knight, Dylan Hunter. And you're now a... Jeff kind of trying to squeeze through a tube. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's kind of look back because this year the team... For 2005, and that is still a team that will always rank up as one of the best junior teams ever. Ruan Miranda is giving your record a that year because you won 59 regular season games, night after night after night. Uh, you know, I mean, it's tough. It's usually when you have a good team, you start relying on certain guys to score or. Uh, you know, a goalie's making huge saves. So to win that many in a row, you know, you have to have guys playing every night. And when one's not playing, another one is. And, you know, just the motivation to, to try to be the best. Uh, sometimes you can kind of relax a little bit and on a Sunday afternoon and don't really feel like being there. And hopefully you score on the power play. But just to put as many as they have up, it's, uh, it's special. We don't always realize the grind that hockey can be. And then the weekends that are three games in two and a half days and that's Sunday sometimes you just think <laughs> yeah. how are we going to get through this how did that team do that how did you find that motivation I, I think it was just having four lines and 60 to play I, you know we always laugh there's there's nothing worse than setting up on warm-up and uh you know when your legs are not there you know and you're going how am I going to get through this next 60 minutes and uh you know just having everybody playing and having four lines in 4d or 6d it's uh they, their minutes and everything's good Dylan Hunter of the London Knights with us as we are here at the factory. The anniversary of Corey Perry's eight-point game just went by. And in that game, you scored the first goal. He assisted on that. And then Brian Rodney scored a goal. Yep. Corey Perry assisted on that. And then I think Rob Schramm scored a goal. Corey Perry <laughs> yeah. assisted on that. He had a goal and seven assists. Yeah. Do you remember much from that one? I do. I do. Cause I, uh, I know Anthony Stewart really well. He was on Kingston. So he said the guys had to jump on me, try to pull the... The fire alarm between the second and third but uh it was just one of those games i mean you have chances and everyone just started scoring and uh you know Corey goals for the first time one goal seven assists but that's just it i mean you would think wow that that would be something you'd want to talk about every day of your life. Yeah. It doesn't end up being like that, right? No, no. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's it takes a certain guy. You know, some guys do, some guys don't. But uh, he's one of those guys who would rather not just bring it up and talk about a, a win that we had or a comeback victory, that kind of thing. But we always give him the gears every time Stewie's in. He always gives him the gears. Calls him a bad guy for running the, <laughs> for running the score up. But. When you go back to that year and, and starting playoffs, you guys, even though you were as good as you were during the regular season, there was no guarantee. And and there always seemed to be a confidence about the team, but it's not like you... Is that something that helped you as a team? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think we had, we had good leadership. We were a pretty old group. 
Uh, I think the best thing that happened was losing in game seven the year before to get back. So we didn't want to have that feeling ever again. And uh, But we laugh now. Looking back at it, I'm, I'm sure we're more confident than the, than the coaches or anybody just because now you look at some of the teams and they're pretty good. But, you know, you got you know Mike Richards and these guys on other teams, uh, Jeff Carters, and uh, uh, we were confident for sure. But uh, there was some, some solid competition that we were lucky enough to get through. You win a championship, first championship, and then in junior, how do you work on feeling good that you've won a league championship but still have the Memorial Cup? Is it a very quick celebration? It is. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with... Uh, it- Well, I want to apologize for the technical difficulties. We've got a lot of people working hard and behind the scenes to make sure that we are here at the factory and talking all kinds of hockey and hockey-related things. We're still going to talk hockey in Nigeria, or more so hockey with a Nigerian-born player. We'll talk women's hockey, Australian hockey, and we'll continue to hang out with the London Knights as they sign autographs. I want to congratulate Kelly McGee, the winner in our ultimate Juno's Prize Pack contest. And I also want to let you know that if you missed the story that Dylan Hunter was telling about Sidney Crosby, here it is, because it's, it's one of the, the best hockey stories that really puts into perspective what that team of the century went through in order to win the Memorial Cup in 2005. Dylan was a player on that team, and he was talking about all the things that they had heard about Sidney Crosby that he was the next one and this supreme prospect. And they went into that first game of the Memorial Cup against Sidney Crosby and Ramuski and thought, well, he still plays hockey, right? He, he's kind of like us, right? He can't be that good. And the puck drops. He wins the faceoff cleanly, makes a move on two guys who would go on to play in the NHL, and then sets up a teammate for a one-timer that rings off the crossbar. And they immediately looked at each other on the ice on the bench and said, uh, yeah, he's special. Brandon Price looked at Dylan Hunter and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to back up more off the next faceoff. I'll, I'll, I'll back in a, a little bit more. We've got news now with Jack LaBelle and then more from the factory on London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We are at the factory at 100 Kellogg Lane in London. And it's a place that's, it is hard to describe. I know that's kind of our job as people who talk on the radio, but it is difficult to describe exactly how wild and how amazing this place is, how many different things there are. You're looking at trampolines and a course that takes you up to the ceiling, things for people who are under two feet tall. It's got everything, absolutely everything. And today... It has the London Knights as well, and the Knights have been signing autographs, talking playoffs, telling stories with all kinds of people all afternoon long, and they're going to be here until 3 o'clock. So you still have time to get yourself to the factory at 100 Kellogg Lane. We're going to be talking all forms of hockey this hour. A little more London Knights for sure. We'll tell you what the playoff scenarios are for the Knights. We are also going to be talking women's hockey. 
We are going to take you back to a conversation we had with some players who are touring this area from Australia. They're playing in a few hockey tournaments, but on a big tour all the way from Australia and a couple from New Zealand. First, though, the hockey news has gone around the globe, speaking of Australia and New Zealand. And the hockey news has put together a list of the leading scorers who've played in the NHL from each individual country. And it just so happens that one of those countries is Nigeria. Nigerian-born Ruman Endur is from this area. And, in fact, has coached Junior B in this area for a while, played for the Guelph Storm, used to go to the London Ice House to watch games, and we had a chance to sit down not too long ago and talk with Ruman about the fact that he is number one in Nigerian-born scoring in NHL history. And we got him to tell a few hockey stories, too. Ruben, how are things? Yeah, good. You know, it's uh, it's been good uh, recently. I've been into coaching a lot. So um, that's, uh, that part of my life uh, post-playing uh, career has been, uh, been really good to me. Coaches will say, and I know you're able to coach younger players right now, but yeah. even if they yeah. get into games where they're coaching older players, you're you're so close to the yeah. ice. You'd still you'd love to get back out on the yeah. ice. <laughs> yeah, especially I was uh, I was coaching junior B there the last couple of years, and uh, especially at that level, it's a little bit more competitive than uh, minor hockey. And you, you, there's moments where the juices definitely get flowing, and you feel like you could make a difference out there, but. Uh, you know, I got the old knees and, and the bad back, so I'm, I'm glad I'm just standing on the bench, you know. Well, you had a tremendous career that took you all <laughs> over the world, and yeah. if we look, the hockey news has just done a bit of a special on the highest scoring players from any yeah. country that has someone who has, you know, been born in that country. Yeah. You become the highest scoring Nigerian-born <laughs> NHLer ever. That's that's a title right there. <laughs> You know what? I, I, I'm actually really proud of it. You know, it's uh, it's funny to look back on it and uh, and think there's a Nigerian that's the scoring uh, leader in all of hockey. You know, so it's pretty cool. You know, I actually really uh, I'm really um, proud of you know being born there, but I'm I'm just as proud to be Canadian and uh, to have something like that. You know, um, an accolade like that. It's pretty uh, it's pretty special. Your family moved from Nigeria. You were just small but eventually yeah. got into hockey what was it that got you into hockey i think it was um just growing up like any other canadian kid you know um i moved to we moved to my father moved the family to uh toronto and uh i think it was i want to say 77 so just before i turned two years old and you know i think i grew up just like any other canadian kid just loving the game and uh I had such a passion for it. My teachers in school couldn't get me to stop. Like, they couldn't get me to work on anything else but uh, hockey. You know, it was just it was just ingrained in me, and uh, I loved it right from an, uh, an early age. Roman and Durr joining us as we talk some hockey, as we <laughs> play around in the factory and certainly talk London Knights. You no. played against the London Knights as a member of the Guelph Storm. Now, when did you start to realize that, hey, you know what, uh, I can do this and that you might be able to get to higher levels? Yeah, I think, oh, geez, what, how old would I have been? I think I was around 
14, 15, you know, I kind of was always a bigger kid. And, uh, and, uh, I just, I thought, I thought if I keep working, if I kept working hard, you know, good things would happen. And, uh, as it was a, uh, my, my father moved the family to St. Thomas, Ontario in uh, 1989. And, uh, so I grew up watching the Knights from, uh, from that age, from about 14, 15. And, uh, the Knights were the, like, it was, it was a dream to go to the old London gardens and, and watch them play there. And, um, that's, that's the only team I ever wanted to play for, you know? So I ended up getting drafted to Guelph. I figured out, you know, later on that there's a process, there's a draft, whatnot. So I ended up getting drafted to Guelph, which was the greatest three years of my life playing against London. But, you know, it was just always a dream that, uh, I think it started by going to those London nice games. We're talking with Ruman and Durr, and then you wind up making the jump to the National Hockey League with the Buffalo Sabres, with the New York Rangers, even a little time with the Atlanta Thrashers. Not many people can say they've been a member of the Atlanta Thrashers. You get to do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's great. You know, uh, when you look back on the journey, you just have so many great, uh, great moments. And, uh, you know, getting drafted there in Hartford, uh, by the Buffalo Sabres was just a great, um, was a great moment for me. That family could be there and share, you know, share that moment with me. It was great. And then, uh, you know, I went to, uh, I went to Rochester, the the affiliate for Buffalo, and I won a Calder Cup my first year in the American League. So, you know, you look back and you you just you have so many great memories playing with Wayne Gretzky in New York, playing in Wayne's last ever game you know you just uh you look back and uh i think i'm really really proud of uh some of the things that i accomplished roman what's it like to be in a dressing room and wayne gretzky is there and he's on your team yeah it was uh you know what i say i say this to my buddies a lot and uh i remember when i was 10 years old my dad used to let me stay up because uh you know uh edmonton was playing on the west coast so the games out east here were, you know, a bit later. So I got to stay up and watch them win cups. And, and you know, I was 10 years old, and I remember those nights. And I, and I can, I just, you know, I can vividly remember those nights. And then some 12, 13 years later, I'm actually sitting in the dressing room beside him. It's, it's not, like, it's a fairy tale, you know. And uh, I just think I was just blessed, you know, to have opportunities like that. It's been amazing. We mentioned you are the highest-scoring Nigerian-born player in NHL history. Do you happen to remember any assists where you kind of threaded a pass through to old number 99 and he buried it? <laughs> I remember a couple in practice, but not in uh, not in games. So, uh, no, there wasn't too much. Uh, you know what? I was just trying to get the puck out of the zone. And uh, if I got close to the blue line, I was trying to dump it in. So uh, I just uh, stuck to what I knew how to do, uh, real simple hockey So. Not a lot of feeding it on the power play to Wayne. You, know? <laughs> you also got to play in England, in Austria. Yeah. What was that experience like as a player? Yeah, it was great. You know, it, uh, it added about four or five years to my career at the end there. I, I, uh, I got to experience a different style of play, especially playing in, the, um, in Slovenia. I mean, the English game is a lot like the North American game. It's very tough, a lot of, you know, a lot of fighting. But, um, you know, when I played in Slovenia and uh, and Austria the one year, I got to learn, you know, I got to improve my skill a little bit and 
play on the big ice surface. I got to uh, I got to learn a different part of part of hockey that uh, you know maybe I didn't maybe I wouldn't have uh, if I stuck around in um, in the American League uh, back here in North America. So it was great. Like I said, it added about four or five years towards the end. Had a lot of fun doing it and wouldn't change anything for the world. There were times you had to drop the gloves. Being a bigger guy <laughs> and in the American Hockey League, sometimes that is a tough job night after night. How do you yeah. do it? Yeah, it's tough. It really is. I think, uh, I mean, a lot of your fans would have uh, watched maybe the Ice Guardians um, Netflix show, and uh, I recommend everyone watching that show just to get a sense of it. And uh, and like you said, it's tough. You know, it's uh I was a 20-year-old kid going there in the American League, and and that is a tough league. I mean, I don't know what it, what it's quite like now. It might be a little bit different, but you know, when I was there, I, there is a challenge every night going into Hershey, going into Portland, you know, going into Philadelphia. It was uh, it was no uh, it was no picnic, but you had to you had to be ready, and uh, I think it prepared me for uh, a lot of things that I have to face, you know, post uh, career as well. And that's got to be uh, an interesting thing to look back at because if you can do that, if you can get up there every night, you can do pretty much anything, can't you? Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, I think I just touched on that earlier. It just it prepares you to for the battles of just you know regular life. You know, it just you got to be ready. And uh, you know, if you're not ready, if you're if you're a little too timid, you know, you'll you'll get you'll get found out. And uh, you just want to be there for your teammates. Make sure you support them. Make sure uh, they feel comfortable out there. So I tried to do that and uh, had a little bit of success at it. It was a lot of fun. Well, Roman, it has been fantastic being able to talk to you right now. And again, congratulations. I hope it's an honor that you hold forever. I don't know how big hockey's getting in Nigeria, so you may be safe at, at least for a little while. <laughs> for a little while, yeah. No, uh Thanks a lot, Mike. This has been great. Uh, just uh, to let people know, there's a Nigerian uh, goal scorer out there. It's pretty pretty cool. Exactly. We'll talk again. <laughs> Take care. That is Ruman Endure, highest scoring Nigerian-born NHLer ever, and we've got him here in southwestern Ontario. We are here at the factory. The London Knights are here right now. They've been signing autographs. All kinds of kids everywhere. Ropes that go to the ceiling. Trampolines. Mystery escape rooms. You wouldn't believe it. It is it's something that is very hard to actually describe. But in a moment, Paul McLaughlin's going to join us, a partner here at the factory. And we'll talk not just about this place, but have you been wondering maybe what else is going to be happening on the old Kellogg's site? Well, we'll have some details for you next on London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We have been spending the day at the factory, and if you haven't been down here, you have to walk in to truly appreciate everything that is here, but you've got to see the future of this as well. We're going to try and describe that right now because if you picture where the old Kellogg's plant is on 100 Kellogg Lane, you turn off Dundas, very easy to find, very close to downtown, and Paul McLaughlin is with us. And, Paul, I have to say, I've never been in here before. I had no idea. I can't believe the amount of stuff that you have in here. Well, yes, there's been quite a bit 
that we've put in and built here. The facility itself is a million square feet, and uh, the factory is one of the first tenants coming in. We start with quite a list, and now we're starting to build it. So we have the trampolines, we have the ropes course, we've uh, got mystery escape rooms, next level VR, uh, little climbers for the kids that are under six years of age. It's about 5,000 square feet. The place is fully licensed, bar all set up, also uh, arcades. Yeah, we're just in the middle of building a large indoor mini putt, about 11,000 square feet, and still yet to come, or in design right now, is a 30,000 square foot indoor go-kart track. And that will be in this same area? That is just in the factory itself, but then the factory is, of course, joined to the uh, uh, the rest of the facility, which will house a uh, concert hall. We're working with the London Children's Museum. They've already started design and layout. This is their new future home. We have Powerhouse Brewery, who's here as well. They're about to be opened up to the public. We've got a bar, patio, everything ready to launch there next month, ready for the spring. Uh, yeah, the 160-room hotel. Uh, we have an office tower here as well, so if you need a simple desk just for your one-man show to if you need 2,000 square feet shared office space, we've got that as well. So a little of everything. Well, you've got to take us back to the meeting because I think we can picture it. You sit down and it's, okay, what are we going to put in here? Did you have a big flip board? Was this on somebody's notepad? Where did all these ideas start? Well, it all started around probably a bar, but yeah. No, it all, we just started figuring out what we we're going to utilize the space for. And that's how it really started down and kind of just dreaming and going it from there. And this is where we're at today right now is what we've gotten built. So it's good. Paul McLaughlin with us, partner here at the factory. Now, you do have a real theme that you want to add into this. And that theme is a true education component. You mentioned the Children's Museum. So you're bringing kids down here at the factory. You've got kids down here. And I guess maybe we can look at the mini pot. How do you plan to structure the mini pot so that you've got education going on at the same time? Yeah, so the mini pot, what we're trying to do there, we want to have a Canadian theme. So it's going to be east coast to west coast. It's 11,000 square feet. So we want to be able to see, have a Niagara Falls hole and have a hole for like Fundy Bay and have all the uh, all just things that I guess staples of Canada. So CN Tower, we want to put a full live, not a live moose, but a, a to scale size of a moose to your beavers, everything. So uh, with a really different twist to it, all indoors. So then kids can see just how big a moose is. Because you run into a moose in the wild, you're not supposed to hang around that spot very long to see how big one is. That, that would amaze, I think, the parents of the kids, let alone the kids. Exactly, and that's that's one thing also too with the factory we've kept into to our I guess a biggest thing for our hearts is what this place once was. This was a staple in London community for a century. It's employed generations of people, so we've kept a lot of the natural stuff here, or not natural, but some of the workings in the corner. We show a whole bunch of hydraulic lines of where how it used to be ran, and there's a video clip running showing all the process and the rooms and what everything's all set up so it's just showing 
what used to be in here. This was quite a factory up and running with employed many of people and there's lots of history in this city that has worked here, people that know somebody. So just able to walk through and we're keeping the natural feel, that's why we called it the factory, with the boiler lines, the block walls and just you're you're actually in the old Kellogg's plant. You're actually jumping in the room is uh, in the package of Kellogg's Raisin Bran. When you walked into this place the very first time, how did you start to envision what we see now? Because if two scoops of raisins were going in where kids are bouncing around right now on trampolines, this had a very different look to it. Very much. No, our main thing, we were going to convert this all into warehousing and office space. So do large industrial storage. And actually back in the arcade area, you can look through two windows and there's a room of racking. It's 85 feet high and that will still be in storage. And we actually have Drexel Industries on site here that we have 250,000 square feet of warehouse space that they will be doing. And that's what we would plan for here. But when we've seen all the, I guess, different floors and areas and not near loading docks, that's when we started thinking, what else are we going to do? Well, we've thought about having working with the London indoor soccer parks to having this as a stage theater. We were working with people in Toronto all the way to California. That wasn't working out, so it just kind of worked and evolved into this. Finally, what do you hope this does for this particular area? Because so much has been done at the District of Western Fair to make major improvements, and we've seen a lot of the merchants along Dundas really reap the benefits. What do you hope this does for this area? We want to make this a world-class facility at the end of it. We want to be able to have this as a destination spot, something that people of the City of London can say, hey, yes, we're actually, you know where London, Ontario is, it's also where 100 Kellogg Lane is. So we want people from all around, from the States, everybody to come here as a tourist destination. So giving this ability that this is all connected, you can spend the night, let the kids run through the Parents can hang out at the brewery, the distillery. You can go to see the Children's Museum. They're going to be coming. So it's we just want to see a full interactive community. All congratulations on what you've done so far. Can't wait to see the timeline unfold. Thanks for the time today. Thank you very much. Paul McLaughlin, partner here at the factory. So look at that. Now, that's going to unfold over the next couple of years. So keep your eye out here. Come visit it right now. Jump on the trampolines where the raisins used to be. And you can really look through glass windows at parts of the old Kellogg's factory that are still intact. You can see what that looks like. And Paul mentioned it. From escape rooms to high-end virtual reality to the highest ropes course you'll find inside. Lots going on. And the London Knights are here. You can bounce around with them right now. A couple of them are on trampolines as we speak. And you can still get autographs from those London Knights until 3 o'clock. We'll talk more about the London Knights. We're going to talk about women's hockey. And we're also going to talk Australian hockey before we close out London Live. We are on location at the factory at 100 Kellogg Lane and you are welcome to come down and say hi. Up next, Jacqueline LaBelle has news. We'll get you caught up on all the day's latest stories and then we will return with more as we are on location this afternoon on London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Something to watch for this week. The province is looking at a single-use plastics ban. So any single-use 
plastics. This is going to get interesting. Environment Minister Rod Phillips says the government's been looking at it. They're very open about this, the suggestions. City of Kingston's been in on this a little bit. So we'll investigate that as the week goes along. We are here at the factory right now with the London Knights until 3 o'clock. Scorsi all over the place. Scorsi's manager is retiring at the end of this year. We'll have to talk to him about life kind of beside Scorsi. Living life alongside a mascot. Skating, ATVing, zip lining today. That's exactly what's going on. So all kinds of great things happening. The Knights themselves are in a battle right now for top spot in the Western Conference. Here's kind of the way the scenarios all shake out. This is a great week to follow OHL hockey. Even if you haven't done it yet, start now. This is a good week. London, Saginaw, Sault Ste. Marie, and Guelph have kind of been playing each other over the last week and a half, and they sit one, two, three, and 4 in the Western Conference. The Knights are four points ahead of the Saginaw Spirit. The Spirit have a game in hand. They'll make that up tomorrow against the Sarnia Sting. And then Saginaw plays London and Sault Ste. Marie the rest of the way. Sault Ste. Marie twice, the Knights once. The Guelph Storm can't really catch anybody right now it seems like they're going to be fourth uh, they will sit fourth even if they were to win all of their games and Sault Ste. Marie were to lose all of their games Guelph would still be fourth based on not enough wins uh, Sault Ste. Marie and Saginaw are going to battle it out for the West Division crown and either the number one or the number two seed the Knights have already clinched the Midwest now they're trying to clinch Western Conference number one and home ice advantage through to the OHL championship series for whoever winds up getting there that's that's as far as you would have home ice for so that's playing out over the next week we will be everywhere that the Knights go Guelph on Wednesday Sault Ste. Marie on Friday and Saginaw on Saturday up next we are going to talk a little women's hockey April Clark is going to uh, join us. We had a chance to talk with April. She is the OUA Player of the Year in women's hockey. And that's a pretty significant honor when you consider all of the great female hockey players in this province. She's next on London Live. You're listening to Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We've had a chance today to talk with a lot of hockey players. We're going to increase that list by one in just a moment. We've also talked about Volt Hockey, and if you missed that, you can always check out the London Live podcast. You can find it on Curious Cast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your favorite shows. It is usually up there by dinner time. so if you're up for a walk tonight and you want to go back and check out what Volt Hockey is all about, or even better yet, if you want to check it out, you can find it at the Kamoka YMCA, the Middlesex Center YMCA in Kamoka. And it's something that was developed in Europe, and it involves basically wooden frames on steel wheelchairs. And it was created for anyone who has lower mobility difficulties. So if you happen to suffer from cerebral palsy or muscular dystrophy or spina bifida, this is the game that can get you into the hockey world. It's basically played three-on-three. Three. There are goalies, there are nets, and they've outfitted Middlesex Center YMCA. Now, they have eight different chairs 
and they have seven of those chairs filled with players so far, and they are still looking for an eighth player. So if you're someone who wants to investigate it yourself, or if you know someone who might be interested, give the Middlesex Center YMCA in Kamoka a call and ask for Sophia Caldwell. But you can certainly investigate that. And they're hoping at some point to be able to start, in a way, a, a challenge cup or whatever it would happen to be with a group that is already outfitted similarly in the GTA. So you would represent southwestern Ontario. You would go and take on the greater Toronto area. So that is in the works. April Clark last week became a multi-award winner for her work in 2019-2020. Played in 24 games for the Western Mustangs, scored 20 goals, and ended up with one of the best seasons in any province this year in university women's hockey and was named OUA Player of the Year in women's hockey. was also named Forward of the Year in the OUA and was named a first-team All-Star. We had a chance to sit down and talk some hockey with April, who was doing pretty well. They're great. How are you? <laughs> Not too bad. Are you missing hockey yet? Because you guys spend so much time at the rink. You, have, have you just gone to the rink just to just to skate around a little bit at all? Uh, we don't have the ice this week, but I've been to the rink between my classes a lot this week because I miss it. And it's, it's just sad. Thompson Arena has a very distinct smell to it and i i think it's it's one of those smells that you do miss if you're away from it so it's good to hear that you're able to still go and, and hang out you racked up all kinds of hardware we've got to recognize this season let's uh let's look at things individually for just a second because you've been named oua player of the year forward of the year a first team all-star if somebody scores 20 goals in an 82 game season in the nhl that's considered a really good year look Look, they scored 20 goals. You did it in 24 games. What's this year been like for you? Honestly, it's been indescribable. It's been a great season. Um, honestly, we had a really, I had a really good team behind me, and I kind of owe it all to them. Now, in scoring 20 goals, how many of those, if we asked you, and you don't have to do this, but if we asked you to think back and, and describe each of them to us, how many do you think stand out to you? Um... I think the goals against Laurentian, our 6 nothing win, stand out to me just because it was my first hat trick. It's pretty memorable. But honestly, they're all kind of a blur. And let's face it, women's hockey doesn't tend to have scores of 6 nothing very often. That's an impressive game. Yeah, no, we were uh, all on the same page that game. Let's talk about the season that was. Everybody who has played for the Mustangs this year has talked about what a great team it was, how close all of you were. You get to a Game 3 against U of T. How close were you guys to winning that series? We were really close. I mean, it was tied in the third period, and they got a late one. Um, I think things could have ended differently, we just we don't match up well against U of T, um, anyone else but them, kind of. So I think if we were to play them again, uh, 
I hope we would destroy them. <laughs> We're talking with April Clark, who again, OUA Women's Hockey Player of the Year, forward of the year in the OUA, and a first-team All-Star and part of a very good Western Mustang team this season. You finish off your fourth season with Western. Oftentimes, school dictates what happens with your university hockey career. Uh, what's school doing for you right now? Are you going to have a fifth year? Yes, I'm going to have a fifth year. Um, I just recently transferred into the nursing program here. So I'm currently in first year of academics. So I think I'll be here for a little longer, but I only have one year of eligibility, which sucks, but I'll be playing next year. Well, that's good. That's good. And going after, who knows, maybe another 20-goal season, maybe an OUA title, right? Yes, OUA title for sure. Well, let's kind of look back a little bit because you are one of so many players that's been able to have success coming out of two incredible programs in this province, one being the London Devilettes, another being the Blue Water Hawks. Can you talk about what development was like in in teaching you not just to be good at the game, but to be really good at the game coming through those programs? Yeah, I played Blue Water for six years. Um I mean, I just learned all my fundamentals there. I had a lot of good coaching staff there. And then I played junior in London here. It was a little bit closer to home. And uh, things just fit out for me better in London. And I had really good coaches there. Actually, uh, Kelly coached me um, in junior there. And then she was my coach for two years here at Western. So I think all the coaches that I've grown up with um, have contributed to helping me. We are talking right now with April Clark, and we're talking about what has been a phenomenal year for her in the sport of hockey. Is this a sport that you could see yourself playing beyond Western, or does it does it kind of go to the recreation levels then? What would be the hope? Um, the hope would obviously be furthering my hockey career. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen for me, but it it'd be nice. It's the goal. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Congratulations once again on just a tremendous season. You have been part of a championship team in the past. I hope you get a chance to be a part of a championship team again. Yeah, thank you very much. That is April Clark of the Western Mustangs. OUA, Women's Player of the Year, 20 goals in 24 games. That'll do it. Forward of the year in the OUA. And she was also named a first-team All-Star. Up next, we're going to talk about a team that is touring through this area. They are playing three or four tournaments. They were at the Knights game on Friday night. And if you happen to see them, they've been wearing a lot of their jerseys and sweats around, so it's easy to pick them out. You'll see them, they say, Queensland Cyclones. You think, Queensland Cyclones? Listowel. Cyclones, right? Somebody spell that wrong on your jersey there? Nope. Queensland Cyclones. They are from Queensland, Australia, which is a state slash province in Australia. They picked up a couple of players from New Zealand and they are making their way through. We'll take you back to a conversation that we had with 12 year old Caleb and 14 year old Mackenzie at the Knights game on Friday night and talk a little bit about how they even got into hockey. Both of them have been playing for three years. So how does hockey get started in Australia and New Zealand? Well, it it isn't as crazy as you think. You don't have to trade Wayne Gretzky to the Canberra Kangaroos in order to make it happen. 
it has developed pretty organically. So I'll have the story on that and how these guys are liking southwestern Ontario so far. You're listening to London Live. We are at the factory at 100 Kellogg Lane today with the London Knights. Come down and try the highest ropes course inside, anywhere that you can find. The trampolines, they have next-level virtual reality escape rooms here. And as we heard from Paul McLaughlin, if you missed it about a half hour ago, go and check this out on the podcast later today because Paul's talking about what this area is going to become. They've got a hotel in the works. They have a brewery that's already brewing and is going to be open. You can head in there and sample what's being brewed there. And we've also got all kinds of other plans for this area that will make it really a one-of-a-kind spot, not, not just in London, but much in any city you want to select anywhere around. So the factory located at 100 Kellogg Lane in London. That's where we are this afternoon. You're listening to Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Warming up outside. It's great in here. We are at the factory, 100 Kellogg Lane. London Knights are in the arcade right now. You'll be able to catch them there. What's the basketball game that you've got to throw basketballs into the little net? Yeah, it looks like Billy Moskal, very, very good at it. So feel free to challenge him if you happen to be able to make it down. If not, you can come down here anytime. There is a team not called the London Knights that may be coming down here at some point because they'll have to just check this out before they go home to Australia because that's where they are here from. We have a touring Australian team, the Queensland Cyclones. Now, as much as you could go to any part of Canada and say, yeah, you got a hockey team here? Eh, big deal. It would be like going somewhere in Canada and having a yachting team. Yachting, not so big here. It is bigger in Australia, and these guys happen to be at the Knights game on Friday night, and we had a chance to talk with Australian hockey players Caleb and Mackenzie as they came to see us during the first intermission of Friday's night's game against Flint. Caleb and Mackenzie, two members of the Queensland Cyclones, joining us in the broadcast booth. And when we say Queensland, we mean the Queensland in Australia. And here they are in southwestern Ontario. Caleb, let's talk a little bit first off about how old you guys are. How old are you? I'm 12. 12, Mackenzie? 14. 14. And how long have you guys been playing hockey, Caleb? Uh, my third year. Third year, okay. And Mackenzie? Oh, uh, yeah, my third year this year. And how did you guys get into this game in Australia? Uh, my dad played competitive hockey in South Africa, and then he moved to America to play, and he did really well. And he, he moved to England and then came back, and then... I started playing because of him. Now, wait a minute. Have you lived in Australia all your life, or have you lived in some of these places, too? Um, I lived in England for, like, six weeks, and then I moved to South Africa for, like, two years, and then I moved to Australia, and I've been there for the rest of my life. Wow. Okay, Mackenzie, how did you get into this game? Uh, well, my aunt's Canadian, so it was just kind of, it just kind of happened. <laughs> that is fantastic. How much opportunity do you have to play in, uh, I mean... Australia, how many arenas? I mean, are you third or fourth on the sports uh, pecking order? Uh, obviously, golf, tennis, Australia, Aussie rules, football. What? What? How does hockey uh, fit into all this? Um, 
just all the Canadians that have come to Australia have kind of organized it and made rinks and helped us through it. And what do the Aussies think of this when they get shown hockey or when people watch? Do they like it? Oh uh, yeah, but they're also really surprised like they always say hockey Australia what? <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie, what do you think of the game so far here? Oh yeah, it's very it's a lot fa faster paced than Australian hockey, yeah. It's a lot faster paced than most of us play even around here in hockey. Don't worry, these guys are just good. Uh, how about the NHL? Do you guys follow the National Hockey League, or you guys have a professional league in Australia? Caleb, do you follow that at all? Uh, yeah, I like the NHL. Yeah. Can you watch games in Australia? Oh uh, yeah. 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 It's just kind of on in the morning. Start at seven o'clock in the morning, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Normally <laughs> pretty early. See, we used to have Saturday morning cartoons. Australia has Saturday morning hockey. So let's talk finally about what you guys are going to do here, Mackenzie. You're playing in how many tournaments? Uh, three or four, I think. Three or four tournaments. How long are you guys here for? Uh, two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks. What do you think of uh, southwestern Ontario? You guys get winters in Australia. Do you get this kind of snow and weather? Not at all. No. Do you like this kind of snow and weather? Yeah, it's really cool. It's good for two and a half weeks. After that, it's not good anymore. You want it to end. We'd like to come to Australia and enjoy your winters. Can you guys surf in the winter? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that makes winter a whole lot more fun than what we have here. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Best of luck. Enjoy southwestern Ontario, and uh, good luck with your hockey careers. Thank you. Thank you. That is from Friday night. Caleb and Mackenzie of the Queensland Cyclones came to visit us in the broadcast booth. They can surf during the winter. Could you imagine? It is starting to get pretty hot during Australian summers, but I think we'd trade. Can we put together a tour of something? What could we go touring to Australia for? What do you think? I have no answer. None. Can't play hockey. None. No, I, but we've got to think something up. Email me, mike at 980cfpl.ca, if you can figure something out. Thanks to Caleb. Thanks to Mackenzie. Thank you to Paul McLaughlin. Thank you to everybody who had us here today at the factory. One more wave from Scorsi as the London Knights are going to begin to make their way out of the factory. Thanks again to Ruman Endur, highest-scoring Nigerian-born player in NHL history for joining us, and Sophia Caldwell from Middlesex Center YMCA on Volt Hockey. Coming up next, we have news with Jacqueline LaBelle and Matt Trevithick. Also thanks to Will and Grace and Alin and Steve and Andrew for all their help. This has been London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL.